name's John. I'm Michelle. I'm Amanda. And we co-founded Uplift Kids together. Today we're talking about humility, which is this week's featured lesson. And I'll start by reading a couple of quotes from our What the Wisdom Says section. The first one is from Thomas Merton, and it says, humility is the surest sign of strength. And the second is from Krishnamurti, who's an Indian philosopher. He says, humility is the essence of love and intelligence. So one thing we want to talk about today is how humility is an attitude that allows for growth. You know, no matter who we are or what state of life we're in, if we close ourselves off from humility, then we're not able to transform. And so humility is really at the heart of any growth that we experience in life. So that's one of the things that we'll talk about today. We'll also talk about how to help kids navigate this topic of humility. Let's start with you, Amanda. In your work with kids, how has humility surfaced? The population of kids that I tended to work with in counseling were students that had a hard time in the school setting. So they would often have a lack of confidence, really be struggling in school, be struggling socially. So in counseling, what came up a lot is just this experience of kind of taking hits. And some kids could kind of have a closing up when that happens, you know, close up to believing in their ability to learn, closing up to their belief in their ability to connect with other kids. And from the outside, you know, it could look like, oh, look at these kids. They're so humble. They're quiet. But that's it's actually would often be a sort of a hard posture that was very harsh and closed toward the self. And the voice might be something like, I can't learn. Other kids don't like me. So even though the posture from the outside might look quiet and subdued, it's not an internal humble posture at all. So a lot of the work with kids is recognizing actually the voice of humility is very soft, it's compassionate, and it's life-affirming. Even when we see that we have a lot of room for growth, even when we realize that we're not seeing the full picture, there's something we need to learn. It's a really open and compassionate voice. So one thing that came up a lot is when kids are being really harsh towards themselves and they're either having toward the outside having a really hard posture or in the inside having a hard posture towards themselves, adults around them can be that soft, compassionate, open infusion of humility to try and help them be more open to just the voice of life. Yeah, that fits so well with Krishnamurti's quote, that humility is the essence of love and intelligence. Because when we are able to express love for ourselves, that is also a key aspect of humility. And so that's exactly what you're pointing to, or at least that's what I'm hearing you point to. Were there any techniques that you might use to help a kid open up and take on a soft posture or an inquisitive, curious posture? Generally, I think the best door to that was to not be in resistance to anything that was happening for the student. So to especially initially completely validate and be opening and welcome whatever their experience is. So that experience has a place to land. It has a place to be seen and witnessed. And then from that place, something new can emerge, you know, 
something new can grow. But before whatever's coming up in the moment, the fullness of that, until that's really seen, it's hard to shift the posture towards something more open. So what might that look like for a parent who is noticing that their kid is closing up or closing off, either in the sense that they feel superior to everybody else, or in the sense that they are so paralyzed by the hits of life, as you said, that they just don't believe that they can change. And so they're closed off in that sense. What might it look like in practice for a parent? One way a parent could approach this with their child is to ask themselves internally, what would the voice of humility sound like in an interaction with this child? And the voice of humility would not come in in a harsh way. It would not come in a punishing way. It would not be diminishing toward a child. So I think if a parent can find that voice within themselves, they'll naturally know how to respond in any given situation with kind of compassion, with validating, and when the time is right, introducing something new, a new perspective to help the child shift the position they're in. Yeah, I love that idea that you flipped it to the parent because what that does is it allows the parent to start from a place of curiosity rather than immediate judgment. And so it's like information gathering. The humble approach would be, okay, I can tell that my kid is closing up. I can tell that there are some tense emotions here. What's going on? Rather than just saying, oh, I know this. I'm going to shut this down right now. That's the opposite of like an approach of humility, which is I've seen my kid act in this way at times before, but I'm going to listen still because there could be something new at play here or there could be something under the surface that I'm not quite catching. And so to maintain that posture of humility as a parent when interacting with a child that can really yield fruit, even though it is essentially going slow to go fast, right? It can take a little bit more time initially, but then it can allow you to really find the problem rather than just assume you know what the problem is. Absolutely. Yes. And when a child can sense that they've been seen, they've been heard, they feel felt, that's the grounds for transformation. And it's rare, you know, when our kids are in a posture of trying to control the environment or they're being very hard, logically we know responding with control typically isn't going to get us the results we want. So we know this in our heads, but sometimes it's like, taking that journey from the head into the heart and into the body to, to really just be with our kids. Mm -hmm. Michelle, what would you add to this? Part of this is just seeing failure as part of life, part of development. Like we don't hide it, we own it, we admit our mistakes and we learn from them. And actually an example that came to mind, like you're asking, like, you know, what do we do as parents? And the other day, this came to the forefront for me when I was in the car, I was having a conversation with my brother on speakerphone and my son was in the car. And in this conversation, I felt like, you know, we, we had different views and I felt, wow, I'm just being so open. I'm being really understanding. This is exactly what I was thinking. And I get off the phone and my son said, wow, why were you trying to convince him that what you were saying was right? <laughs> 
And, you know, that was this moment where I felt defensive, like I wanted to describe to him all the ways that I was being understanding. But that was this moment of saying, whoa, this is what you saw. Wow, what did you see? What was I doing there? And that was a moment of seeing like, okay, I'm not going to hide it. You know, I want to actually acknowledge what he saw there. And so that's one of those moments of, okay, I'll learn from that. I'll watch a little differently next time how I'm interacting, be a little more aware. And there's an article in the lesson, it's called, What is Humility and Why is it Important? And it talks about humility having three parts. The first part is we see ourselves as we are, not more or less. That's part of being humble. And then the second part is we don't need to show or prove all the best parts of us and hide all the worst parts. We just show up whole. And then the third one is that we're thinking of ourselves and of others, not one or the other. So humility really involves that balance of being open to others' experience, as well as really looking at our own. So those three parts really make up the wholeness of humility. Getting that balance right between being honest about a mistake while not spilling over into self-loathing is so critical to maintaining humility. Because the self-loathing is a shutting down. That's what you were hinting at, Amanda, as well. It's like it can spill over into this paralysis that is antithetical to growth. It's so hard to do in the moment, though, because like you're saying, Michelle, we all agree with our opinions. And that, that sounds silly to say that because it's so obvious, but we all agree with every opinion we hold. And yet we know, I think logically, that we can't be the only person that is right on the whole planet. Like We know that's true, but we can't quite see all the places we're wrong. And so one of the things that we do in this lesson is help kids get into a state where they are reaching the limits of their abilities. And we have kids say the alphabet backwards, you know, for instance, and realize like, oh, this is really hard. Here's the limit of my abilities. And when we can recognize the limits of our abilities and also recognize that just because we have limits doesn't mean we need to fall into a self-loathing place, then we can reach this state of humility, opening ourselves up to grow rather than uh, closing ourselves off from growth. The other thing I would add to that, John, is that when children also see other people's abilities, that they're more than their own, that they're greater than their own, that also doesn't need to feel threatening or it doesn't need to feel heart, you know, it that's an, a growth edge for the child. Exactly. Yeah. it's It frees you up to celebrate. Uh, I love the example you shared, Michelle, because it was an example of you realizing a moment of your limitations and seeing, oh, maybe I'm not seeing the full picture here and my son is able to see an aspect of my life that I couldn't see in the moment. And then it's also pointing to the strength of your son and being perceptive on that front. So it's like, oh, that's that's a cause for celebration. Like anybody's strength is a cause for celebration and it's not embarrassing to have a flaw simultaneously. You know, both those things are true. Yeah, I think sometimes we think of the opposite of humility being pridefulness or maybe like this word like egotistical comes to mind. And I have another story with this. I was at a conference and I showed up really emotionally and 
I thought, what am I doing here? I'm bringing too much emotion to this. I just kept saying like, oh, this is too much. This is too much emotion to have in this place. And this person just like totally embraced me and said, too much, not enough. This is the oldest story humans like to tell. And it's all the same story. And that moment was so important for me that I could see both are actually caught up with the ego. There's pride in both. Like being egotistical is being like conceited or self-absorbed or self-centered. And we can be self-centered in thinking we're the best. And we can be self-centered in thinking we're the worst. And so really like that, like not seeing someone else's strength as our lack or just looking around and comparing. It's like, we're just showing up whole. All the good parts of us, all the parts we need to look at, it's all of us and not hiding those parts. I think we just, we're so used to hiding the parts that we feel like, I, you know, I didn't quite get that. Oh, I didn't quite get that right. This is the, this is the point I can learn. Yeah, it fits so well again with the Krishnamurti quote about humility being the essence of love. Because when we can really sit with this idea that, hey, my limitations are not indicative of my lack of worth, and your strengths also aren't indicative of my lack of worth, but rather they're a chance for me to grow and learn. And if I can't mirror somebody else's strengths, at the very least, I can celebrate their strengths. I think that's it for today. As always, if you appreciate this podcast, we'd appreciate a review. And if you want to get access to our full lesson library, you can become a subscriber and get a free two-week trial. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good day.